Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny. That's a TV show. And we're here talking about it. And by we, I mean me, Shanti Pasquale, with... Oh, Toria Sheffield. I thought for some reason I thought you were going to say it. I change it up just because it's funny when <laughs> when there's like a long pause. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> me and Toria are back in season two of Oh, Mr. Sheffield. We are on episode, gosh. Five. Episode number five. Episode five. Episode five, Curse of the Grandmas, uh, which I was really hoping would be like a Halloween-themed episode, but it was not. Um, (gasps) This episode is called Curse of the Grandmas. It was directed by Eric Cohen. Or no, sorry. It was written by Eric Cohen, and it was directed by our old pal, Lee Shalette, in in which Gracie is in a Girl (laughs) Scout troop called the Red Robins. and we find out that so Fran is like uh, Gracie's Girl Scout troop leader in like a very Troop Beverly Hills type of way. So she is taking Gracie's troop to her grandma, Grandma Yetta's retirement home to like spend time with elderly people. And then also very early on in this episode, we establish that it's been exactly one year since. It's been. <laughs> Don't do it. it was that that was just too too tempting. <laughs> it's been it's been <laughs> one year since she wasn't any. <laughs> uh, but basically, so it's been one year since uh her ex Danny dumped her for Heather Biblo and she came to work with the Sheffields. And or I think she says like Saturday is my one year anniversary. And almost no sooner does she establish that than Mr. Sheffield comes in and he goes oh, Miss Fine, I'm wondering, like, what are you doing Saturday night? Are you free? And she instantly assumes that this has to be anniversary related. And she's like, oh, yeah, I don't have anything going on. He's like, ah, great. He's like, I don't want to, you know, reveal why I asked just yet, but like, glad you have it free. And so she instantly has it in her head, like, okay, there's going to be probably a dinner and gifts. And, you know, I'm, I'm so touched he remembered. So we established that pretty, I think, like, within the first scene. Um. And even she starts doing that, like that, like talking out of her mouth thing, where she's like, "I hope he doesn't think he needs to get me a gift, uh, sacks, uh, floor five, uh, fifth floor, yeah. uh, diamonds." Yeah. Uh, she did that the whole episode, and I thought it was really funny. She 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 delivers those that bit really well. She's got good delivery. Yeah. Um, another well, thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, then the very minor C-plot is that Maggie and Brighton are clearly on the hunt for a gift for her. Um, and they they keep asking her questions like, uh, Fran, if if you uh, were going to maybe have a gift for a friend, maybe Mark, maybe a made-up friend Mark, uh, what would Mark want? And, like, they're just very obviously trying to, like, figure out yeah. what you might want, um, which leads to kind of a gross joke later. But we'll get to it. Um. So one of the things I wanted to point out is just some some of that some of that hot insider knowledge uh, that we uniquely bring to to uh, to the table. Um, so info and TV, 
you can't ever be the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts. They are notoriously like both litigious and also like do like not inter hard, not interested in being represented in film and television. I think mostly because like they're really, really worried about like their like the way that they're portrayed. So you almost always have to make up a fake Girl Scout or Boy Scout alternate, which is why we mm -hmm. get the Red Robins in this episode. Um, mm -hmm. But you also have to make up fake badges and they can't be similar to any of the actual real life badges that kids get um, from, from either one of the troops. And it's a whole process. I worked on a show where the, it was like a law, it was a law show and, and, um, one of the cases was this little boy was like a boy scout, but like we had to call them like the cub finders or whatever. And like, and like we had to make, he had like a sash on and it wasn't even a plot point. They just wanted him to have like the sash with like all the badges. And like, we literally had to like come up with like icons that didn't look like anything that was used in real life, but were still clear enough to like, be obvious what they were for but like it's really hard because like there's only so many things you can pick for the drama badge and it's like always going to be drama masks and every time we like did a version of it um standard or uh, not standards and practices um the uh, uh, clearances would like ping it back and be like yeah this didn't clear it it's too simpler um, it's also so ironic that they're so protective of a legacy that they themselves have, that destroyed. They themselves have destroyed yeah well especially the boy scouts yeah yeah, scouts yeah are that's a little not, better that's true. Let's not throw yeah. the Girl Scouts under the bus. No, let's not. And let's not group them in with the boys because the boys are no. the boys are trash. But the, the Girl Scouts the boys keep together and they make those delicious cookies. Um, but yeah, so I <laughs> wait. I, you guys heard it here first. Sean thinks the Girl Scouts make those cookies. Yeah, the Girl Scouts personally make them. What do you mean? Yeah, like the Keebler Elves. <laughs> yeah, like the Keebler Elves. That's what they do. They make the cookies and then they sell them on the street corners. It just I feel like they shouldn't takes so much time away from their schoolwork to be to be churning out yeah, all those or, cookies. Or honestly, take so much time away from just letting them be kids. But, you know, we got to eat. Um, but so that's all super interesting. I didn't actually – I mean, I knew that they were using Red Robins probably for some, like, legal reasons. But I didn't know it was, like, this infamous – like a pattern within the industry. So that's, that's a very yeah. And it, and it, and it is a time consuming, like it, 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 you know, it takes like, it would be so much easier if you could just be like boy scouts and then just like throw some badges on the kid. You know what I mean? But they have to be like uniquely made. And anyway, if anyone ever sees uh, that random episode of Franklin and bash and you see all those uh, boy scout badges, I made those myself. Um, well, and so this is a great episode in that we have some more really fun Grandma Yada. We have some of my favorite yes. Grandma Yada moments left. So Fran takes her little brood to the retirement home and everybody runs off to go find their assigned grandma or grandpa. Um, and there's actually that really funny line where she gives them all tissues beforehand. And one of the little girls is like, why do we need these tissues? And Fran goes, great wrist or bra strap ornaments for, for your grandmother. And I'm like, God, that's so true. So but um, she, but so we we also established that um, Yetta did not sign up for the like grandchild adoption program, and when Fran asked her why, she's like, "I'm not a joiner." <laughs> uh, um, and oh, you know what? Uh, there's an again. You're right. There there are there is some weird pacing in this because um, we're at the retirement home, and Gracie runs over and is basically like, "Oh, like my um." my grandparent wasn't in her room. Um, I'm told she checked out um, and right. bought a farm. <laughs> and 
uh, Fran was like, oh, honey, I'm sorry. Like, you were definitely supposed to get a live one, but like, don't worry, we'll we'll get you one next time. And that kind of like wraps up that little um, section of the episode. So when they get home, there's a knock at the door and a woman from the neighborhood is basically like, um, I've heard, like, basically, I just lost some household staff. Um, Is, is not, she's like, and Fran instantly assumes that she's trying to get poached. Um, But it turns out Niles is getting poached, Um, at which point we find out that this this happens to the Sheffield family a lot. Like people try to poach Niles like fairly regularly and there's never been a call to poach. I forgot that was this episode. Yeah, yeah. It was such a weird like shoved in plot line. Well, this – it's something that you could have, again – theoretically could have come earlier because what this is doing is it's tying into this thread that Fran is convinced that Mr. Sheffield is going to throw her some grand one-year anniversary party. So she goes in to talk to Mr. Sheffield about how, you know, somebody wanted to poach Niles. And that's when, when she, she says something like, you know, he says something like, oh yes, I get calls about that all the time. Like, don't worry. Um, And Fran goes, well, okay, if anybody, but if I'm stumbling on my words, she says, are you drunk this morning? Uh, was no, the difference is I'm not drunk. This time. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but she goes, Oh, well, if anybody calls and wants to poach me, tell them like, I I'll never leave. Like I'm happy here. And mm-hmm. he and Niles both just start just like guffawing with laughter. Yeah, it's, like it's to pretty this, rude. It's so rude. And she's like, why are you guys laughing? And they're basically just like, yeah, because nobody would ever call to poach you, yeah. which was really rude. Yeah. And in, in that same scene, we find out that this big Saturday event that he had wanted to clear Fran's schedule for, it's actually because he and Cece are going to, to D.C. for an to award win an show. Award, right. And yes, so he and, just wanted her to like babysit for the weekend. Yes. He um, is completely – I was real on the fence about whether or not I was on Fran's side for this whole thing because I, I, while I believe that it is like nice to like know your staff's birthdays, I don't know that you have to remember the anniversary of when you <laughs> hired them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that seems like a bridge too friggin' far. I mean, well, you can give them raises and be like, hey, you know, you've been with us for like a year or so. Like, you know, like a general sense of like how long you you've had the employees so that you can like properly, you know, or adequately compensate them is one thing, but like, don't you think like, I don't I, know. well, I agree. And well, there's two things. One, I think that maybe if he had just walked in that morning and like given her a card and a bonus or something, think, yeah. she wouldn't have expected anything grand. I think it's yeah. because he hinted at there being something special that he needed something of, he needed her to be available for Saturday mm. evening, but was refusing to say why it got grandiose ideas in her head. So I don't know if she necessarily was expecting something that large, but then she comes to expect something that large. And then the other thing is I'll say this episode definitely has a parallel. It, it's sort of a metaphor between a couple's fight because yeah. what ends up happening is, you know, she's clearly, she's, her feelings are hurt and she's being very passive aggressive to him. Like the next morning yes. she's taking Gracie back to the retirement home and she's like muttering things under her breath. And he's like, Miss Fine, did I do something to ex- upset you? And she's like, no, what could you have possibly done? Yes. Like you jerk, like under her yeah. breath. And it's, and then she's like, I'm fine. And, and she walks out and slams the door. And then she goes and is talking to Yetta and she's basically like, oh, 
you know, how could he not even know why I'm upset? Which is like the classic, you know, it's 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 a cliche, but also grain of truth couples fight right. where someone is upset and then they're and then they want the other person to um divine why they're upset and that they're upset without giving them any real like actual communication to be like, hey, I'm upset. Yes. We should talk about it. Yes, yes, I think if any, yes, if anyone's been in like a in a relationship that's lasted more than like four months, you've had this fight. Yeah. And um, Yada, of course, is like vaguely confused, and she's like, she's like, "Well, are you having sex?" And she, and she had, like, I think it's in that scene. She had a funny line where she's like, "Men have nothing to say, and when they do, they're not that interesting." Yes, yes. She's like, she's like, it's no use talking to men. Like they have, they have no emotional intelligence, and nothing they say is interesting. Um, but when she goes, uh, "But are you having sex?" Fran's like, "No, Yana, we don't sleep together." And then Yana goes, "Not even on your birthday. This is a terrible relationship. A terrible so, marriage." She says. Oh, terrible marriage. Yeah. yeah. So, but like, I think you know, it, it, this. Yes, while Fran is overreacting and expecting too much from her employer, this is really more like, you know, metaphor for their relationship as romantic relationship, which is kind of a fun, which is fun to play with. Um, And that, well, and then actually we cut back to Mr. Sheffield at home. He literally has his calendar out. And Niles is like, what are you doing, sir? And he's like, oh, I'm counting 28 days past the last time Miss Fine was irrationally angry at me. I hated that joke. And then he goes, Oh no, that's not till next week. So yeah. it was clearly a PMS joke. Yeah, and Mr. Period, Sheffield period. is is period. tracking his nanny's yeah. uh cycle. Yes. <laughs> um, it was a little creepy, right? And like also a little like <laughs> it was just like it was so cheeseball because it's like I feel like collectively as a society we've moved past like girls get angry when they're on their period. <laughs> and then like to go but and like so like so like even if they had just made that joke, I would have like eye rolled. But then when it was like, ew, he's like tracking her fucking like her <laughs> PMS, like that's why gross. You know what though? I, I it's so weird. I think it's like I have gone so far in the other direction of like woohoo wamby pampy like health related stuff in my life that five years ago i would have been outraged by that joke and now for example like there is an all women company that i know of where everybody tracks everybody else's cycles because basically the the feeling is like women have had to pretend that like their bodies are the same as men's for decade for centuries and mm-hmm. especially decades in the workforce when they've been working full time. And the reality is like certain times of the month, like you do your body like does need more sleep. Certain times of the month, you do have more energy. Certain times of the month, you might like want to take a day off because you're feeling really shitty. And like that should be okay if we had a workforce that like understood people's bodies. And I right. feel like even though this is in no way that, and like I don't I like to be clear, that is not the place where this joke is coming from. I was right. like, wow, <laughs> like progressive. But that's because <laughs> I've gone so far into this LA bubble. So you like, you projected so much into this joke that you were like, well, oh, that's progressive. Because it really it was wasn't, right? I, was I mean, like, it was really so it was so reductive <laughs> and like and like stereotypical and like I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yes, no, at the time it was very stereotypical. But I will say this. I do believe that now if everybody operated from a place of trying to understand that uh bodies are different and that women have been sort of slaves to the male physiology in the work 
force for years and years now. I think, hey, if Mr. Sheffield's being understanding about that, like hats off to him. Right. <laughs> you know, but he's is he being hurt. understanding but or is again. he just like, I'm looking for the days I got to avoid this real B-I-T-C-H. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, what he's I mean, really right. saying. He's not like, oh, I track her period so that I know like, like, oh, you know, for one week out of the month, I'm like a little easier on her and like give her a little extra time off. He's literally like, we got to freaking book a vacation this week because she's a <laughs> raging monster. I know. And, and like also they are again playing with this concept of like they, right. they are so far beyond employer employee. They're very much like a familial unit at this point, but no one's really acknowledging. I, I don't track Elizabeth's right. period. You know? I do. <laughs> <laughs> How many days I got left? <laughs> no, I have a whole app thing. It's changed my life. I love it. But anyway, um, there is, so we, we have that joke. We yeah. got off the rails. That's on fine. How- That's fine. We just wanted. It's an important part of the episode, and it was a. It was like a talking point thing that I. I, I was. I highlighted it even in my notes to be like, oh, we should talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um. But so we let's see where we we oh so basically he's like you know going through his calendar to try to figure out what's going on with Fran and Niles just you know, first he tries to hint at it and Mr. Sheffield mm-hmm. is like so obtuse like classic Mr. Sheffield um, and Niles is just like sir it's her one year anniversary and at first Mr. Sheffield laughs and he's like oh come on Niles he's like you don't really think she'd get upset about that I mean you've been working for me for years and I have no idea when your anniversary is <laughs> and then Niles goes you also forget my birthday, but I guess that's all right as well. Yeah. <laughs> like walks off. So Mr. Sheffield finally realizes that he has really upset Fran and he starts but, to panic, much like a, a husband in a classic sort of, you know, old timey sitcom. But right before that, there's also um, CZ has a similar reaction where she's like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. And then she says, um, she goes, I've been your partner for 10 years and we've never celebrated a thing. And Niles goes, get it? <laughs> which which becomes kind of a self-own when he then has the similar conversation with Mr. Sheffield where he's like, you don't remember anything about my birthday or my anniversary. You know, I mean, what it really does is it sort of sets up Mr. Sheffield as like a spoiled brat. Yes, yes, he's just. He's completely um, unaware. Um, yeah, self-involved. In yeah. <laughs> yes. And he's been, yeah, he has been sort of like, you know, taking care of his whole life like a child. Um, but so, yes, Mr. Sheffield has his aha moment. And yes. we then cut to that evening. Um, they're watching Mr. Sheffield and Cece at the award show on TV as a family. And Fran is still clearly like very, very not happy with him. Um, but they win the award. They walk up on stage together and Mr. Sheffield leans into the microphone and he's like, you know, I'd like to thank um, my three wonderful children. And the, and by the way, and Cece is right next to him holding the statue beaming, right? She's so happy. And then he goes, and I'd also like to thank the woman who has made this all possible, Fran Fine. Happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> At which point Cece faints. She just falls over like a tree. Um, and then it's also revealed that um she wasn't wearing underwear. So I guess she was also humiliated. Yeah. If I if I it's the the episode was called Curse of the Grandmas, but if I had titled this episode, I would have I would have called it the one where everyone sees Cece's VV. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but basically, you know, I actually felt 
bad for CC here. Yeah, not just because, not, like, <laughs> not just because of the underwear thing, but because it truly was very just again obtuse of Mr. Sheffield. He yeah. didn't even think to thank his business partner who was standing right next to him. Um, but also, it, wear underwear, CC. Well, a lot of times, though, to her credit, with certain gowns and things like that, women are instructed not to so that they wow. have a, a, a oh, line. Panty line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, we um, got to give you guys something that you can wear that doesn't is not like a <laughs> panty line, but like covers up the, the you know, your, in, your, you know, your they, ha- they, they do have those. They have a variety of brands of things that smooth like, out your like silhouette. patches, right? <laughs> I don't. I wait. You think the brand is called Patches? I don't. No, 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 I'm saying, are they like little patches? Like they like stick to you because you can't. No, no, no. You don't have like lines. Um, it's more like um, almost like a very tight, almost like bodysuit that gives you complete. Um, and like Spanx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Spanx. Okay. But I get, you know, this is pre-Spanx. This was mm. 1994. Cece was doing the best she could. And this was a really big moment for her. But yeah. so we're all just supposed to laugh at that. That's still yeah, a funny joke. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and, and we also, uh, a few beats earlier in the episode, we did resolve the the whole little Gracie thinking she's a cursed child because basically after the th- i think the third woman dies who she's yeah. supposed to have adopted she just hangs out with yetta for a while and yetta's fine so so that's yeah. also in fact yetta has a great line where she's like look we've been hanging out and i'm not dead you're not cursed or no she goes you're not cursed we've been hanging out and i'm not dead and then she turns to fran and under her breath she goes i wish i was <laughs> yes <laughs> because gracie is like such a boring i mean hanging out with little kids can be very boring when they you know try to tell you a story when they try to recount a conversation they had and the delivery was just great she just goes i wish i was yes yes and then you know the episode wraps up it's that evening um and uh fran and niles are sitting around the kitchen i noticed they were cutting an entomans cheese danish which chef's kiss the best if you ever see those in the grocery store people like those are that's the thing you should grab and they're just uh, and then mr sheffield comes home he's clearly like flew home late that night after the award ceremony and she says something like you know oh you didn't have to you know you didn't have to thank me it was so unnecessary but it's so clear that um it it was very necessary and then she's like but you know she's like i do have to ask why don't you think people call to poach me like, I really want to know. Um, and Mr. Sheffield, like, hems and haws, and he's not sure what to say. And then he finally is like, well, look at you. I mean, I'm a single man, but do you think a, a married woman would want y- a woman as beautiful as yourself just in her house every day? Um, and that seems like kind of a sweet moment. It almost yeah. – I thought it was a real admission in the moment. But then Fran walks out, and he instantly looks at Niles, and Niles is like, nice save. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I came up with that one. And then Fran yeah. comes back in, and she's like, I heard that. And that's actually the end of the episode. So it was more him just trying to come up with something that wouldn't hurt her feelings when the reality is nobody wants this fashionista from it. Queens like and, running and then, their household. And then there's probably my favorite button yet. <laughs> <laughs> it, I really enjoyed this button, but it's basically – so. so um, Cece hit, fell. She she passed out on stage. It, it shattered this like award that they won. And then the button of the episode is she's very meticulously like super glued this glass swan back together. 
and she like gingerly holding it in their hands as she walks out of the kitchen. And right as she gets to the door, Fran swings the door open and hits Cece, and the award falls to the floor and shatters. And Fran like walks by, like completely oblivious, and Cece just is like frozen in like shock horror. And then Niles comes in with his broom, and he's <gasps> literally just like. <laughs> no, he's like da, 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 da. and then right in her face put yeah. on a happy face and he's like do, 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 do. it's and so she, funny she starts to quietly sob yeah it's great and i wrote i just wrote in all caps the button made me laugh out loud mm-hmm. uh, his timing was impeccable his utter delight in her misery he was really just waiting for this to happen and lying in wait it's so Um, funny how we always have like the same reaction like we have you and i have very similar sense of universe because we have the same the same thing the same goofy shit makes us both like laugh actually laugh out loud yes very true which makes sense because we we were we you hired me to work on a comedy Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah it would be weird if you were like we have just completely different. <laughs> um, but I will say I, I'm excited for the next episode because apparently we had very different opinions. Yeah, so we'll get there. Yeah. Um, um, but now it's time for segments. Okay. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is when uh, Fran is talking to Niles about getting older and um, Fran goes, we don't go young in our family. We find like to linger and be a burden to others for as long as possible. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it just really made me laugh. Um, There was Um, also a funny line where uh, in the very beginning, Niles, Fran walks in, she's wearing this very, very good looking like red Robin or, you know, girl, girl scout like mom uniform. She looks hot. She looks great. And, uh, and Niles goes, what holiday is he goes, what colorful holiday marking a plague are we celebrating now? <laughs> Referencing all Jewish holidays as just colorful holidays that mark a different plague, which is not, not far off. No, no, every holiday we've talked about this before when you actually are like, well, what's the meaning behind that holiday? It's like some horrific, yeah. like, uh, Everyone's been killed. Everyone's been driven away. Uh, everyone's being attacked. So it was everyone's a party. slave. It's like always yeah. like to remember some horrific event from uh, from from Judaism past. Um, another great line was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this one, but she, they're like leaving. I forget what they're even doing, but Fran is like the TV's on in the background, and Fran's like, "Oh, look, the Mendoza boys are back for a second season," which. <laughs> doesn't really like the joke doesn't play unless you remember 90s culture very well but like she's talking about the mendoza brothers who murdered their parents oh and that's the second reference she's made to them and that was like a cultural phenomenon like you know it was was. one of those like cases of the decade um true crime um one of mine was basically in passing cc reveals that a blind date stole her stereo (laughs) yes it was so sad. And then my other really uh, like laugh out loud moment of this episode is when 
Fran is Fran and Gracie are visiting Yetta at the home. Um, and Gracie reveals that this woman, Mrs. Kramer, has died. You know, they have a few more beats of dialogue, and then suddenly Yetta goes, Wait a second, Fran, Kramer's room was on a corner. <laughs> and <then> Fran goes, <laughs> That's cross ventilation, Yetta. And Yetta yeah. starts shaking Gracie and goes, Has anyone moved in yet? <laughs> just, just like the hawkishness by which, you know, these people live in yes. these communities. It reminded me of an interview I read recently with Madeline Zima, where she she basically said she didn't have a good time on the show and that she often felt like she was a prop um, mm-hmm. and that it like was kind of a point of contention for her. And, and this scene really made me, she shakes Gracie really hard. And I was like, whoa, she shook that kid really hard. And that was like instantly made me think of like, I wonder if they really did sort of like, treat her as like a prop, like genuinely like a prop. They'd like pick her up, they'd throw her around, they, you know, like. Yeah, I, I've read the same interview and I've been kind of like deciding when would be an interesting time to bring it up. Like maybe if there's a, when, a episode where she's older, but but I think it's tough when you, you know, not to, not to apologize for, you know, not treating children well on these sets, but when you're like a showrunner and you're a creator and you're directing and you're doing all these things, you kind of just want everyone to do what they're supposed to do. And I think with children, you can, you can end up approaching them more like almost like an army sergeant than a compassionate, warm, you know, let me just really work with them until they're there. It's just like, you kind of just want them to hit their beat and then focus on everything else. And I'm sure from a child's perspective, that feels terrible. So she said, um, this was in 2013, by the way. And, and we should also note that they recently did like a zoom reunion and Madeline Zima was part of it. So mm-hmm. maybe she's like changed her, her feelings over the years, but in or 2000, complicated feelings. Yeah. In 2013, <laughs> she was asked about the show and she said, uh, quote, it wasn't a fun experience. Um, there were other experiences on other sets where people treated me kindly. I worked when I was five years old on the hand that rocks the cradle and everyone was wonderful to work with on that set. People treated me as they should have because I was a child. There was just a kindness and sensitivity that didn't exist on the set of the nanny. They treated me more like a prop than that, than like a human being. At a certain point, I can't pretend like it was some great experience anymore. Mm. She said, um, it bums me out so many people. It bums out so many people because they love the show. They're like, what's wrong with this girl? Why didn't she like it? But I would rather be honest. I have been diplomatic and neutral and politically correct long enough. And I don't have to do that shit anymore. Mm-hmm. So she yeah. never really expanded on it beyond that. And, and like I said, she was at the recent um reading and like she she did show up on that zoom so maybe maybe she's like worked out some of those issues uh you know uh, one-on-one with with some of the people involved but um what what do you think that that because she doesn't just say i felt like prop she sort of says that like people weren't nice to her what what do you think that's about i i could I think when every, you know, when you have, again, when you have actors and directors and ADs and direct DPs, everyone's really focused in their own lane. And it's, there's really like high intensity environments. You only, you know, you don't have a lot of wiggle room to, to not be focused. And usually these things are running, they're like machines. And I bet you that people just, we're kind of self-involved and in their own lane and we're like, okay, move on next. Da, da, da. And I bet, you know, yeah, I'm sure. You could probably look back on it and think, oh, yeah, that must have been probably a cold experience for a child. But um, I, I can just see people, you know, and, and also it's actors like, you know, who are yeah. who are kind of like, again, self-involved by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, it doesn't surprise me that like children on a set of a sitcom felt like it was, you know, it's a job and, and people, and you're not even the star. Like you're not the, you're right. not the one who people are catering to. You're almost like last on the totem pole. Oh, you're not supposed to say totem pole anymore. I just learned that. Um, you're last <laughs> on the ladder. Um, and, um, I, I could totally see, like, I, I get it. I, and she's probably not wrong, but, um, yeah. you know, everyone's probably like, I had a very high pressure job to do and I, I wasn't necessarily, it wasn't bringing out my warm side, you know? Right. Right. Um, or they hate children. Or they hate children. <laughs> um, uh, Yiddish. Did you catch Yiddish. the Yiddish in this episode? Um, I got Michigas, which yes, I think Michigas. we Michigas, which yeah. I think think we might have had before it just means insanity which, which, which is also one of my favorite lines is she goes um she goes we got to catch up on all the frontier michigas dr quinn got into <laughs> yes yes yeah um you know it's basically like ah oh, that craziness mm-hmm. um and then for nanny trivia um not related to anything in this episode but i thought we'd do a little digging into the beloved theme song since we both love it everybody loves it but i realize i don't really know much about it um and so it was written and performed by a musician named Anne Hampton Calloway. Calloway is a platinum award-winning writer whose songs are featured on seven of Barbara Streisand's recent CDs. Wow. Um, she's the only composer to have collaborated with Cole Porter and has also written songs with Carol King, among many other notables. Um, she's technically a jazz musician. Um and she's best known for her Tony-nominated performance in the hit Broadway musical Swing and for writing and singing the theme song to the hit TV series The Nanny. So this was not just your r- typical random jingle writer. Like, this was somebody who had serious chops. Um, and I guess, you know, it shows. We all still know and love this clever, catchy tune decades later. Yeah, I mean, there there were a surprising amount of um... – really talented writers that, that or composers um, that have worked on like TV theme songs. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that they, that they got someone with like a, like a pedigree. I mean, like, you know, I mean, Alan Thicke wrote TV theme songs. Danny Elfman famously wrote the Simpsons mm-hmm. theme. Um, Paul Anka, I think wrote a couple of uh, old TV songs. There, there's been a lot of guys uh, uh, really talented. Elmer, Elmer, Elmer Bernstein. So yeah, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it used to be a very important part of a TV show was to have like a catchy song. Mm-hmm. And so I think they would put, you know, effort and, and, and want you know, and some money behind, you know, this was going to play at the beginning of every episode, every week, it often filled in like plot points for the audience um, so that like new people could come into the show and not have to be caught up on like what the basic premise was. Um, so Fran or the CC, um, I don't really think they were pitted against each other, but I'll just say I related to Fran in how she dealt with this conflict. Which I was, always wear underwear, so I'm definitely not the CC. I also always wear underwear. Yeah, we talked, we've talked, we've talked about this on the pod, which means it's definitely come up before. Um, <laughs> but so, um, I just related to how she was very passive aggressive about this instead yeah. of just, you know, within the first five minutes of feeling hurt mentioning it. Exactly. Um, also, I will say in a later in it, sorry, no, an earlier episode this season, um, the playwright Fran wasn't wearing underwear. Remember? Mm-hmm. Oh no, actually, no, no, it's ambiguous. He goes, you're wearing yeah. underwear. Right. And then she kind of, we don't, we don't find out the answer. So maybe she right. was. 
Okay. I, I think Fran always was it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jewish girls uh, don't go pantyless. That's yeah, a, I would agree. That's a real goyim thing to do, you know? That's how you get um, the crush rot, as my that's mom would call it. Rot. That's what my mom would say to my sisters, too. <laughs> it's also how you get a, 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 a wicked UTI, as they would say. Oh, no, I think it's a, yeast in, it's a yeast, oh, a yeast infection, infection. the crotch rot. That's what I mean. I mean, yeah, yeah. it is... I find it to be one of the most disgusting ways to describe a medical condition. What, a yeast but infection? It, no, crotch rot. Oh, crotch rot. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> what about, um, what about uh, beastie yeasty? Is that any better? <laughs> one time, one time, um, real quick, my cousin um, was traveling in South America. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the what she was trying. Oh, no, no. I don't know where she was traveling, but she speaks Spanish. And she was trying to communicate that she needed um, that she needed medication for a yeast infection to this pharmacist. And the best she could come up with in the translation was vagina mushrooms <laughs> vagina <laughs> Which, like, mushrooms. to this day haunts me like when, oh my like, god it's all um that's horrible sorry folks what a way to end an episode um but yeah so that's the episode um thanks yeah. for listening guys i hope you uh, this was fun i hope you guys thanks for it. listening thank you i know this is like months from now but thank you to everyone that subscribes and and reaches out and uh we've got some really really wonderful like um monthly subscribers now and and we've even started to get people leaving us messages on the on the voicemail thing if they want to find the podcast toria what are all of our social media handles they are all at mr chef pod oh mr chef pod and that's two f's just like in sheffield yeah they're at at oh mr chef pod two f's like in sheffield um, and you can find me at Sean Wrights on Twitter. Please like, subscribe, uh, hit that bell, um, <laughs> uh, leave a comment, share it with friends. Uh, we put up clips every week with, to promote the show. Share those clips, whatever you can do to get more people to listen. We really appreciate it. And um, we'll talk to you in one week about another episode of Manny. Goodbye. Goodbye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. Name Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>